You're listening to the Health Call Radio Hour, where doctors, researchers, authors, nutritionists, and top health professionals share the latest news about staying well and living better. The information you hear today is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, but it's always timely, credible, interesting, and best of all, there's never a copay. Now, here's your host, health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. I am so glad you joined us today. Thanks for tuning in. We kick things off with what I think is really amazing science. It involves using organs from a pig, replacing all the functioning cells from the animal until all that's left is sort of a scaffold, a framework, which is then infused with human cells to create an organ that can save a life. Just imagine that. Organs from pigs raised for food leave the food chain, and instead they're re-engineered to help someone you love survive. Each year, thousands of people die waiting for transplanted livers or kidneys. So that is why a company called Miromatrix is starting with these organs. And they hope to have a first-in-human trial of a bioengineered pig liver yet this year. I talked with Miromatrix CEO Jeff Ross, who explained how an ordinary pig liver is what they call decellularized. As I said, they use a special process to dissolve away everything except the liver's basic framework or matrix and its system of arteries and veins. That is amazing enough, if you ask me. But then Dr. Ross explains what comes next. As a second part of our process, we actually take cells from uh, human organs that weren't placed for transplant. These can be cuts, nicks, tears, long ischemia time, a host of reasons why that couldn't be used to save a life at that point. We receive that at Miromatrix now. We isolate out those human cells, and now we take those human cells from a liver uh, or for bioengineering kidney from a kidney, place that back onto the matrix to be able to now create that bioengineered organ. So when we look at it, it's truly a bioengineered organ because while we are utilizing the scaffold from an existing organ, uh, it's being really recellerized with human cells. So you're not really putting a pig liver into a human. You are using the scaffold, the framework of the pig liver infused with human cells to, for, to perform that critical function. So how do, you, how do you get the human cells out of those organs for donation that weren't acceptable for use in humans? Is it the same process, sort of a, a detergent wash? How does that work? Yeah. It's kind of an inverse of the process. If you think about that first level, right, you describe that as a detergent wash, the decellerization, we infuse something into the organ to remove all the cells, essentially dissolve those, and we push those out. When we're isolating the human cells, we actually go in and now add uh, proteases or other things in there to actually dissolve the matrix and then preserve the cells. So it's kind of the exact opposite mm. process because at the end of that process, we're left with all the human cells, you know, all the cells that made up that liver, or all the cells that made up that kidney. And now we're able to take those cells, introduce that into a pristine matrix that's, you know, essentially the similar size to a human organ, vascular density, and then allow that to recellerize as part of our second step of our process. And then that's that bioengineering that organ. Fascinating. We're going to dig into that a little bit more in just a second. So in the trial that you hope to get moving forward where you're using it for a human, walk me through how that's going to work. If I were in the room, what would I see? Yeah, I mean, what we're excited about this first product that we have going forward 
is utilizing our bioengineered liver prior to moving forward with a fully transplantable is actually housed this outside the patient. And what we're looking to treat here is patients with acute liver failure. Today, there's no therapy uh, for acute liver failure outside of transplant. So unfortunately, those patients who present today with advanced stages of acute liver failure, 30% um, of those patients are gonna die. 25% of those are gonna be transplanted and get access to life-saving technology. And about 45% of those patients are spontaneously gonna recover because the liver is the one organ in the body that can actually regenerate itself. So our hope on this is by utilizing our liver external to these patients uh, to provide that circuit where we're able to draw blood from the patient, bring that up, move that through our bioengineered liver, and then return that blood to the patient is the plan there to therefore provide that patient with liver function while their liver is failing. And the hope from that is at a minimum, it becomes a bridge to transplant. So for those 30% of the patients that unfortunately die, can we give them a longer time to be able to receive a liver? Uh, now our true hope of this and you know where we continue to see data go and stuff like that, we need to prove out in the clinical study is that this would actually be a bridge to recovery. Can we provide liver function long enough mm -hmm. that that patient now own liver can recover and then that patient can go on to a full recovery and no longer need a liver transplant? which in that scenario would potentially free up that 25% of the patients today who are getting a transplant, free up that liver to go to someone else as well. So essentially, your liver would be performing a similar function to dialysis, where blood is taken out of the body, cleaned and then reinserted, replacing the function of the kidney. You're gonna do the same thing with the liver in a biochamber. That's absolutely correct. It's a good way to look at it is essentially this is liver dialysis. Yeah. Um, but unlike renal dialysis, that's through a membrane or a filter, we're actually using a bioengineered liver to be able to provide that functionality uh, for the patient. And, and, you know, the difference between renal dialysis and liver dialysis, as we're looking at it, is, you know, renal dialysis, you need to do this three times a week or up to three times a week for mm -hmm. those patients. Right. Because the liver is the one organ that can recover or regenerate you know, the hope is this is a one-time therapy and that you wouldn't need repeat therapies of this once that patient's able to recover. Oh, let me drill down on that. So you're saying that I'm gonna have a, a period of treatment on your, on your engineered liver. How long is that treatment gonna last? Is it days, weeks, just once? Yeah, yeah we're looking at days for that. So an acute liver failure patient would present, uh, they, they have a window for therapy. Uh, to be able to provide them that liver support. And, you know, our belief is and something that we'll be looking at in the clinical study is we think multiple days therapies, not weeks therapy, will provide that level of functionality to allow their native liver, hopefully, to recover to the point that, again, they no longer need therapy or, you know, make that call during that time. Yes, this patient needs a liver transplant long term. But here, now we have a window to be able to provide time to procure that liver much more than what's available today. Man, this just kind of blows my mind that you can take those human cells, put them into a framework, a scaffold that they've never seen before, and they just know where to go and how to function. That's amazing. Yeah, I think that's really the beauty of the technology. I mean, as you look at this, and we've, you know, certainly we've developed this through where we've been in the history of the company. It really started with first proving that yes, we can start with a, a porcine matrix. And we took whole porcine livers, used our process called perfusion decellerization, removed all the cellular material, 
and created a surgical mesh uh, that was for uh, soft tissue reinforcement. We also created a biologic wound product from the decelerized porcine liver. And that product has been transplanted into in thousands of patients today. So, you know, we built a good framework on the matrix by itself. The next steps was to introduce the cells. And as you mentioned, how do we know that the cells go to where they need to go? Yeah. And, you know, we've certainly worked through that process and we've published on that in Nature Biomedical Engineering and other lead journal articles that demonstrate not only that we can place the cells back into the matrix, into the appropriate spot, and they naturally go to where they should be, but also we can see the functionality. So we can, you know, transplant that back into a large animal model like a pig and demonstrate not only we get long-term perfusion or blood can flow through that organ, but we're also seeing some of the functionality that we would uh, expect from that organ as well, which has all really led us up to this first step that we are right now. As you know, the promise of tissue engineering is instead of just treating the disease, can we cure a disease? Mm -hmm. Can we actually, you know, if someone's got damage or diseased tissue, whether it's a liver, whether it's a kidney, whether it's a heart, you know, all sorts of things. Can we essentially create that tissue? So instead of treating it, can we actually transplant something new? Okay, so now I got the big picture, right? Miro Matrix has figured out how to keep the best parts of a pig liver or kidney, then infuse it with human cells that actually do the work of the organ that has failed. And they hope to test it by attaching a bioengineered pig liver to an end-stage liver disease patient and give that person's liver a chance to recover. Sounds like science fiction, right? Well, in a world where animal rights are so top of mind, is anybody going to put up a fight? Will you still need to take drugs to fight rejection? And why stop there? If you can do pig livers, what other organs can be bioengineered? Man, I have so many questions. And we'll get to the answers if you stay tuned right here to the Health Call Radio Hour. You're listening to the Health Call Radio Hour, your regular weekend appointment with top healthcare professionals, where every session is painless and we never keep you waiting. Now back to health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Welcome back to our look at using the livers and kidneys taken from pigs, washing out everything from the basic framework of the organ, then reinfusing them with human cells so they can save lives replace diseased organs for people in end-stage disease where transplant is the only option and may not come soon enough. As you know, thousands of people die on the waiting list every year. They just run out of time. These bioengineered pig organs could be real lifesavers for these patients. But what about the poor little pigs? Will people protest using animals in this way? Dr. Jeff Ross from a company called Miromatrix Medical answers that question after he explains whether people receiving these organs will need medications to prevent organ rejection. Really a great question. You know, as we look at this, we're looking to, as, as the first stage or, you know, the first product, is we're bioengineering allogeneic human transplantable organs, mm -hmm. which means these should be similar to whether it's a living donor or a deceased donor. So the intent is those patients would still need to be on immunosuppression for you know, the first level, but to give you a sense of the need that exists out there, there's about 115,000 patients today waiting for an organ. It's going to be about 40 to 45,000 transplants this year, which means 70,000 patients have already gone to their physician. They've been pre-screened. They're waiting for that phone call. They're okay with immunosuppression because they need life-saving technology and they're not going to be able yeah. to get it. So 
you know, for our first step is how can we get that to them as quickly as possible? Mm-hmm. And by utilizing, you know, primary human cells that have not been genetically modified, they haven't been changed, provides us that fastest process to be able to uh, get those organs to those patients. And, and, you know, that's our hope. And then once we're there and we're saving lives, um, then we can invest in that second generation, whether that's from a biopsy from the patient, whether that's stem cells, um, you know, the true potential, long-term potential of the technology is eventually to be able to create organs that would no longer need immunosuppression. But that is much further in the future. Yeah, as we get closer to being able to create stem cells that are neutral in their uh, immunogenic reaction, right? So we can have stem cells that we can mass create and use for many purposes without that process. I, let's hope we get there soon. So, yeah, and we're looking at multiple fronts on that. I mean, uh-huh. certainly there's a stem cell avenue. I mean, to give you a sense, you know, one kidney that comes in today you know, one deceased uh, donor kidney that wasn't placed for transplant, we isolate out the human cells out of that, that can give us up to eight, eight transplantable, we believe, oh. eight transplantable bioengineered kidneys. Today. Wow. One liver, we're seeing up to four liver grafts on, in some cases as well. So you can start to see that it's not a one-to-one. There's actually an expansion factor in there, yeah. which, which allows us both to, in the future, you know, once we're successful with our first product, to then look at a stem cell based, or as I talked about before, potentially biopsying the patient's mm-hmm. own organs, getting yeah. enough of a cellular mass there to be able to engineer something. Now, it, now it's that patient's own cells. Right, yeah, I, I get that. That would be tremendous. So let's talk a little bit about the ethical side of this. You said that currently you're using human organs that are not eligible for transplant. I get that. So that supply makes sense. Where are the pig organs coming from? And are you going to run into opposition from animal rights activists? Yeah. So, you know, as part of our process, and certainly because we already previously commercialized a a product as well, and that product's still on the market, we actually receive organs um, as a byproduct of the food cycle today. So many of these organs and part of the process is we work with processing plants that have the certifications to be able to provide this from a medical grade standpoint, Mm -hmm. but those animals are still being utilized for food. So we believe that kind of bypasses the ethical issues, at least at a high level, because we're, you know, planning to utilize organs that naturally uh, were either going to be discarded, go into rendering or other things. So we're we're trying to, you know, take something that's a byproduct and create life-saving technology associated with it. Got it. So the liver is a very complex chemical factory with lots of different functions. How completely does the engineered liver replace those functions? So that's something that we've certainly tested a lot on the bench and looked at it. You know, we can demonstrate we get urea production. We can demonstrate that we get ammonia uh, clearance, which is a big one. The liver is the only organ inside the body that can clear ammonia. So we can spike in high doses of ammonia and we see beautiful clearance with that. We got albumin secretion. And then we looked at a whole host of other factors. So I'd say, you know, we've looked at a large number of functionalities of the liver. And when we tested in our bioengineered liver, we're seeing that level of functionality. So the next big test is, you know, really to be able to move this into the human clinical studies and demonstrate that level of support in an acute failure uh, condition and demonstrate that our bioengineered liver can provide that liver support to the patient. 
We've talked a lot about livers. Kidneys you're also working with, they, it seems, would not be quite as complex from a chemical process, but metabolism, all those things. Is that an easier organ to, to engineer, develop, and implant? Great question, Lee. It always depends on who you're talking to. So it's amazing when I talk to liver experts or, you know, you'll hear, why are you starting with the hardest organ? Like kidneys, <laughs> really easy. Yeah. When I talk to the nephrologist in the kidney field, they're like, why are you trying to tackle kidney? You know how complex kidney is? You should do liver. So I, I would say each <laughs> organ, you know, uh, has its own challenges and stuff like that. I, I think the beauty of our process and our first step that we are isolating human cells from organs that weren't uh, able to be transplanted. We know that we're getting the appropriate cell types that have the functionality to provide that to the patient. You know, the liver is... Um, less overall cell types or stratifications in there and stuff like that, and it does a lot of function. Uh, the kidney, a lot of microstructure and a lot of different cell types. So by really isolating it from an existing organ, placing that in the pristine matrix, um, you know, that's really our first step of that approach to ensure that we get that level of functionality back. Um, and that's what we're able to test on, on the bench, which is the beauty of bioengineering organs like this is, you know, once we recellerize them, now we can put in some of those quality control measures where we're looking at that functionality as part of the release to ensure that if we are releasing an organ, you know, for a clinical study or eventually, you know, hopefully once the organs get approved following that is there would be stringent quality control measures to make sure they have the functionality before they even leave Miro Matrix. So I'm thinking of other organs that um, this process could apply to. The pancreas comes to mind. If I'm diagnosed with early stage non-metastatic pancreatic cancer or, you know, a potential replacement for elimination of diabetes, is that even a possibility? Absolutely. I mean, if you look at any of the vascularized organs inside of the body, the technology and approach could work really, really well for whether that's pancreas, whether that's lung, which is another great mm, application, yeah. whether that's heart. Uh, we really chose liver and kidney as the two lead products, really based out a need. Uh, if you look at liver and kidney, they make up over 90% of all organ transplants today. Uh, for liver, there's no alternative therapies. There's no drugs, devices, dialysis for them. So a really big need that we want to fill. And we know on the renal side or the kidney side, we have over half a million patients who are on dialysis today. Five-year mortality rate of dialysis is, is 50%. Mm -hmm. Quality of life we know is challenging. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, contrast that with a transplantable kidney. Uh, you know, the mortality rate of five years is less than 15%. Those patients have a high, high quality of life. So, you know, we're really looking both at, you know, as with resources, what can we focus on? How can we have the highest impact? Once we're successful there, I think you'd see us start to expand in all those other organs. Once again, that is Dr. Jeff Ross, the CEO of Miromatrix Medical. I'll follow their progress closely and report back to you on whether the company gets approval for its first test of a bioengineered pig liver in a human with end-stage liver disease yet this year. The science nerd in me is just fascinated by this. And I'm sure that, no, I'd have no second thoughts at all about receiving a pig part if that was my only hope. Well, how do you feel? Share your thoughts on the Health Call Facebook page or visit healthcall.live and drop me an email to let me know your thinking. I read every message and you'll always get a personal reply. Just ahead, we shift focus and explore what you may not know about menopause. 
including the fact that symptoms can start in your 30s and 40s. You're going to be surprised at how many women feel so lousy for so long because no one is reading the signs correctly. And that's coming up next right here on the Health Call Radio Hour. Podcasts by Federated Media. 